Welcome to the Faily Tale Show. I'm your host and curator of fails, Akash Manthar. In this show, we have conversations with our very accomplished guests about their tales of fails. Let's jump right in and start learning from the collective failures of humanity, because it's story time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Faily Tale Show. Joining us today to share their tales of fail is Arun Rao. Arun is currently the technical director of cloud services at Shrapnel. Shrapnel Studio is an award-winning team building a AAA game on the blockchain for competitive play, creation, and player ownership. I know Arun from her time back at Microsoft, where he worked on games such as Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Sunset Overdrive, ReCore, and Crackdown 3. Welcome to the show, Arun. Thanks for having me here, Akash. Glad to be here. I must tell you, I spent countless hours playing Sunset Overdrive. It was such a fun game, especially all the combos. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a really, really fun and bright and beautiful game. And I would say also pretty ahead of its time in like the whole DE&I world, like how you could mix and match things up. It was it was really cool working on that project and seeing seeing it come through. Absolutely. But yeah, we're not here to talk about things that went awesome. We're here to talk about failures. So what what failures do you have for us today? Yeah, so this is a bit of a deep cut into my past. Um, back when I was in college, uh, I was really always wanting to get into the games industry. You know, I would work on little projects here and there. Um, but I was at this point where I really wanted some interesting course to be taught on my last term. And so I was able to get a petition together to have this one course taught. It's called like multimedia programming. And it was about codecs and other stuff. And I thought like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe I can like help make videos or something like that for games or, you know, a lot of Blizzard awesomeness was happening, right? Where you'd have these cool videos. I'm like, oh, you got to compress that down and other things like that. And so I got that petition through and then it ended up being that the professor whose arm was twisted to teach that class was like, I don't know any of this stuff. He's like, all right, I'll make this uh, class called Renaissance Computing. And it was just a, a coy, like a cover for basically teaching game programming. He's like, okay, what can I do? I, I, I'm going to teach game programming, but it's got to seem somewhat realistic. <laughs> like, So everyone was really excited. That class got really packed. And... Um, we had to like build like a term project as we went through uh, the year. And uh, one of the interesting things that we had to do was like people had to decide to become like a team lead and then pick out their team. He's like, I want you to pretend like you're in the industry and like figure out like who's the right people on your team and stuff like that. So uh, I was like probably had a little bit of hubris and a little bit of pride or something like that. And I try to keep things to a somewhat, I would say, high standard, but maybe it was like unrealistic. And so um, I took too long and I ended up with uh, a couple of people on my team, though, that I thought were like cool, energetic, interested. I asked them, like, could you do art? And he's like, yeah, I could totally do art. I'm like, could you do some code? Another one said, yeah, I could totally do code. We try to figure stuff out. But I didn't like ask the right questions. <laughs> Later I learned. Um, so that was an interesting thing that we could talk about. But uh, so we went through this project 
and I wanted to make this game called, um, it was like a battle chess game, and it was inspired by Archon, which for people who uh, have a deep cut in the NES days, it was like this battle chess where you'd have interesting pieces like dragon or like it was like serpent or whatever for like, you know, the queen and then like, you know, your pawn pieces were like normal fighter dudes and there were trolls and stuff like that. You know, there was like a dark and light aspect of it. I think I even called my game day and night. Um, and so I thought, okay, cool. Let's make, let's make a remake of Archon, uh, which probably was way too big in scope. And I think there was a, a bit of a fail understanding how much it takes to make how many pieces are in chess. Do you remember how many pieces are in chess? Yeah, 32. 16 each side, right? Yeah, 16 each side. But then like... All the unique pieces? Yeah, so like let's say all the pawns were like one type. So you have like two there. Six types and two colors. Yeah. So that's a lot of pieces to make. Like in one one semester. And then you had like them battling each other? Like was that like a 3D thing? Yeah, so the, the... Yeah, the way Archon works is like you get in... And when, when you want to, you know, take a piece, you can't just get it. You have to, like, still fight for it. So it does mean that, like, a pawn could somehow still beat, like, a queen if they're, like, really, you know, wily about it. You can, like, you go into this zone where you have, like, obstacles and whatever. And it's a 2D game back in the day. I, that's what I did, too. I learned about scoping then. But... Um, yeah, you you could fight each other, and you're, the odds were against you, but you still had a chance to to, to win. Um, Interesting. So you could actually lose if you were trying to take down the queen, unlike real chess, where any piece can take down any other piece. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you were fighting a queen, a queen, it's not like you oh you took the piece, like you made the move to take the queen, so you 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 got it. It's like no, the other queen can like fight back, and you keep health and other stuff like that. So. It's a really interesting game. It should really be remade. Uh, I missed that game. Uh, I tried like working through that, and um, you know, we got to a point later on in the in the project where uh, things were not going as well as I progressed, you know, as well as I'd hoped or whatever. And then at some point, we had to present, and I, you know, I presented the game, and it was just like ended up being just. I think two types at most. It was like a knight who like swung the sword and a wizard who like made like a area of effect or something like that. What ended up happening was that like my teammates didn't do anything. And that was an interesting thing in terms of what I learned, what I uncovered in, in the whole process. Uh, one was that they were pretty jam-packed in their coursework. Yeah, and it's just like not having the thought of like asking even early on, like, hey, what's your like capacity? Like when you're trying to team build to really understand the strengths and weaknesses and maybe even circumstances of the people that you're trying to bring on to your team actually makes a pretty big difference in terms of like your eventual success, right? And so this is a fail where I didn't, really even think about like what could be brought but there was an interesting other fail in that i didn't really 
reach out that much to those other team members enough during the course of that project development. Like I tried and I didn't hold them to account as much. And so what ended up happening though, is that I ended up being a bit of a control freak. Like I couldn't, I couldn't let them have the freedom to do what they wanted because it was like my vision of the game. It was, I wanted to take, and when you end up doing that, you end up having this complete sort of like authoritarian control. And then you realize down the road that like, well, yeah, you can't do it all by yourself. Right. That was a big thing that I learned. And so when it came time to presentations, um, those like some other folks, one of my um, friends uh, in the class, they made, there was just two people and they made like a pretty simple but good like Bomberman clone. Mm-hmm. And they just focus on divvying up the work, communicating and all that kind of stuff and really understanding their role and what they need to do. And then just kind of organizing themselves so that way they can build on top of each other's work. And uh, while they were presenting that before I presented, like I just, I recognized that. And then, um, so when I presented and the, my teammates were playing, they were surprised that the game was, kind of fun um i made a call out like hey at the end of it i said hey you know this game isn't really what i was expecting it to be and part of that is yeah my teammates didn't have like the capacity to do it but also it it was on me for being a bit of like a control freak in how things should be done and like not really necessarily being uh, an actual lead, like a team lead, you know, part of like leadership learning then is not, is learning that it's not about just what you want to do and how you want to do it. Right. Right. It was about how can we do it together and how could bring it, the people along? How can I, you know, if I just cared about my particular, <laughs> if we just cared about that particular class, then it, you know, they, they might've been more enthused and spent more time working on it. And we could have made something even better together. And I think it was that being like intellectually honest about that failure, you know, like really calling out that, uh, you know, being honest with yourself about where you're failing and calling that out and presenting it to people. So that way they can see that you've at least learned something from it. Um, comes a value because the success that actually came from this failure is that um, the professor was uh, a like a professor in a research department at the university. And he asked me at the end of the presentation, he said, are you going to apply for grad school? And I said, maybe. Yeah. And he said, okay, if you apply, you have a research assistantship position like right there in front of everybody. Nice. So Yeah. It was the being intellectually honest is where like true learning happens was like, that was the, that was a pivotal moment for me in terms of um, experiencing that. It's very interesting. You called yourself out in front of everyone for being maybe like a control freak and not doing enough to pull the team together. Yeah, it was recorded too. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty bold move. Uh, what what led you to that? Like, what was your thought process leading up to that? Do you always plan on saying that? 
or <laughs> it was, was an impromptu just, thing it was impromptu i was sweating and i think i just came to this point where like you know the product spoke for itself but it was a you know i knew that it didn't meet the expectation that i had wanted that I had placed upon it to what it, like as a project what it could have been given you know i was still a college student and you know naive in terms of like building stuff out um but like the things that i learned along the way for instance like vertex welding and other stuff like that and like keyframing for the animations etc like i didn't share any of that information along with my other partners on the project and when i saw what some of the other folks did when they just focused on the core mechanics and the core thing and then really talked about like, okay, cool. I built off of his work and I built off of that work. I had to like recognize that that's where, that's where the project failed is that we didn't do that. Um, independent of like whatever people's capabilities were. And I could have like maybe just scoped the project differently. You know, if I really understood where these guys could have been doing, and maybe I could have only just done animation and I could just ask them to do a little bit of code or whatever, like, I could have figured things out better if I was able to 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 make impact with other folks. And um, yeah, it was just one of those spurious moments. Some chemical reaction happened in my mind, <laughs> along with adrenaline of presenting and being recorded and sweating to just say it. Yeah. What what happened to your teammates? Because when you called yourself out, did you also call them out for not contributing enough? I did. I did. And they were excited. They were actually having a little bit of fun with their playing because it was like a shared keyboard thing or a two-player shared keyboard. And uh, I did call them out and their faces changed. But like, it was one of those like faces where they weren't angry at me. They had like a kind of like a internal reflection moment. Like I could see it in their faces. And I think that was probably good for them too, I hope. Uh, if these guys are somehow listening, I forgot their names. I apologize. But if you guys somehow get this recording or listening, um, I want to thank you still for having been part of that project. And I hope we both learned, we all three learned, uh, and, and been able to take that to continued success in our careers down the road. I think it's been like 20 years now, so it's a long time, almost 20 years. Yep. If if you now had a do-over, you address some of the questions that you would ask, but what would be the questions that you would ask or what are the questions that you do ask now when you're hiring people onto your team to work with you? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, I ask them what, what really inspires them in their work and where they feel they want to have ownership of things, right? And I think part of it is you get that interesting understanding Um and I try to explain a little bit of the interesting areas of work that we have and just try to see, does any of that spark any interest in them? Like I had one person who took another offer, um, but would have landed here if that other offer didn't come through, but she was super interested in like transactions and scale of transactions. And I presented, well, based on that interest that you have, like, here's an interesting problem that we have in our company. Like, you know, is there, a, is there like a, 
I want to say like a, a connection point, you know, between what you're interested in and what we're trying to build. So a bit of transparency on what we're doing helps. Of course, we have to be careful how much we're transparent, but yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. And then, and then there's also, and given the world we live in now, right? People's capacities. I, I also explain my capacities too. Like I'm a, I'm a dad, I have two kids. I have to shuttle kids around, you know, I only have so many days of work during the daytime and how we compensate. I try to be transparent about, you know, I understand that people have lives and we try to, you know, scale and the work accordingly on that. And so when I'm hiring people, because we're in the games industry, they get kind of freaked out um, on the services side, I would say, especially um, if they're not, if they haven't worked in games before, uh, to try to assuage them of the fears that they probably have of that because um, you know, notoriously, historically, it's not fair, right? So, right. So, if I'm just trying to summarize what you said, a they need to have the time, they need to have the interest or passion, or their interests have to be aligned with what you guys are trying to do because it probably makes it easier for them to work on it. And then on the skills and experience side, I'm assuming you don't need them to have worked in the games industry, but you still need them to have the right skill set, right? If you're working on backend services, like the transaction processing stuff, that would be cool, yeah. but not necessarily in games. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the three hires on my team have never worked on a game before, <laughs> but they're excelling exactly the sort of stuff that we need to do to support, you know, our systems that we that we need to build out to help the game and then as we as we're continuing to do more game development like internal development and supporting like the actual build that we're trying to build out they get insight and they can see where those pieces fit together and um i'm hoping some of them like even help directly on some of the game at some point but yeah it i think there's like a natural interest in games but having not worked on games, but that's okay. We just try to find the right alignment of where they can have you know, good impact and um, go along with that ride that we have. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't worked in games until 2012, which was seven, eight years into my career. Um, but the realization was working on the back end and live services for games was very similar to working on any other SaaS or PaaS offering uh, that I had in the past. Um, and from the outset, it always looked like, well, game development is just graphics development. You're in the engine. You're working only on the client-side code, which it is not, especially as we have moved more towards uh, games as a service. And with mobile games, there's so much online component going on that the skills needed for the fan companies and the ones needed for game companies are not that much different. Yeah, for sure. And... Like I have another story or a situation where because I was in a graphics kind of library or graphics, uh, sorry, lab or VR related lab and other things like that. Um, I was hoping like most people that would do graphics when I came into the games industry. And the first thing I got thrown in was like networking <laughs> and like matchmaking and services calls. I'm like, oh, totally not what I was expecting but totally what was needed at the time. So 
yeah, it's 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 a very interesting world. If there are people who are not in the games industry and want to get in the games industry, we do more than just client-side coding in the game engine. There's a lot more that goes in. Well, thank you so much for your time uh, and coming to the show and sharing your tales of fails. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Have a good day, sir. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Faily Tale Show. Until next time, keep learning.